Welcome to Eli's Film Review. Uh, let's just get right into it. Today we'll be talking about the 2017 drama, Indian Horse. Indian Horse is a film adaptation of the critically acclaimed novel of the same title by Richard Wagamese, directed by Stephen Campanelli. The project was execu- executively produced by Clint Eastwood, the nine-year-old producer, director, and actor, famous for his work in movies such as Gran Torino and Million Dollar Baby. Eastwood's co-sign allows the narrative of Salt Indian Horse to reach greater heights and surpass the mainly Canadian audience that the novel attracted. The film was the highest grossing English-Canadian film of 2018, but despite this, failed to break even on the production costs at a $1.6 billion to $8 million budget, uh, $1.6 million revenue, that is, to $8 million budget. The film follows the life of Saul Indian Horse, who is played by three different actors, Slayton Peltier from Saul at age six, Horace Goodluck for Saul at age 15, and Ajawak Kapishite, uh, apologies for mispronunciation, from age 22 onward. Pelche receives a nomination for Best Supporting Actor in this film on the 2018 Canadian Screen Awards. And Good Luck is better known for his performances in The Revenant and the Miseducation of Cameron Post, but he does perform as one of the largest roles in Indian Horse. Additionally, Michael Heisman of Game of Thrones and Nashville fame plays the character Father Gaston and effectively portrays his role as a two-faced antagonist. The rest of the supporting actors have little experience outside of Indian Horse, with characters such as Fred Kelly being played by Michael Larwinchuk, and Will Strongheart playing Virgil Kelly. The film portrays the life of a native boy, Saul Indian Horse, and his struggles with racism and oppression in the 20th century. Saul is taken away from his traveling family after he and his grandmother crash a canoe fleeing the vicious weather of northern Ontario. Severity of the separation is accentuated by the quick extreme close-ups of the crash and kidnapping. The director pans from frame to frame, allowing the viewer to feel the panic felt by Saul. This theme of quick close-ups continues as Saul begins to panic begins to escalate. The short, quick frames continue until the washing of Saul and fellow native boy Lonnie. The first act of racism Saul encounters, which is a big theme in the uh, in the film, is the whipping of his uh, his friend Lonnie for the not just for not speaking English to the nuns at the residential schools. Shortly after this, Saul comes to terms with his new reality, although with the um, abuse that he's about to receive. Uh, through the aggressive scrubbing of the two boys in a way where they feel like their skin is going to fall off because they're being scrubbed so hard. Next portion of the movie is a, a series of extended clips, almost in the way of a highlight reel, of the struggles and tragedies of the residential school. This includes many lengthy shot clips, lengthy long shot clips of Saul observing these occurrences of abuse, necessarily, not necessarily to him, but to those around him. Uh, this is until the introduction of Father Gaston. Gaston, who is the implicit antagonist, First appears as a light in the darkness for Saul. He introduces Saul to hockey, and Saul begins to become more enthralled by the sport, even as he begins only as a ring cleaner. However, a strange aura begins to follow Gaston as he is weirdly attached to Saul and especially kind and personal to him. Another unusual highlight following this situation is the lighting by the director to accentuate the face of Saul in the hands of Gaston when the two are watching a game in Gaston's room or ever inside. Uh, despite this, the morale of Saul vastly improves with his growth in the world of hockey. The lighting appears to be brighter and the extended close-up shows Saul smiling, contrary to before when he was obviously frowning because of the abuse around him. Saul's skills and natural ability to see the game lead him to receiving attention outside of the school and eventually to his exit from the school through former St. Jerome student Fred Kelly. Kelly provides an escape for Saul as he appears to know the struggle Saul is facing. However, Saul seems indifferent to his decision to leave, which is quite strange because of how upset he seems about the thing, the occurrences around him. Uh, when he arrives at the Kellys, he appears emotionless and uninterested until he steps onto the ice. 
The increased competition leads to Saul's great immersion within the game even more than before when he was constantly the best player on his team. Now he had to work up to be good on his team. He, however, he starts to see, receive verbal abuse personally to him for the first time, because before it was often to his peers, and even his friends get peed on and beat up and at the opposing team's bar only for winning a tournament. Although the Moose, which is Saul's new team, do prevail, it is not an easy journey and Saul doesn't seem very happy about it. Eventually, Saul's game reaches another level and he is approached by the coach, the, or scout for the Toronto Monarchs, and eventually joins the, which is possibly just a game to avoid copyright for the team Marley's in Toronto. Uh, which is currently an AHL team, what, what was an OHL equivalent in the in that time period. And Saul joins this team and begins to receive a type of implicit racism. And again, he eventually quits despite being one of the best, most talented players on the team and his NHL level potential. As the film continues, we can witness Saul's fall from grace when he becomes a drunk and works his butt off for several years until he becomes comes to terms with the abuse when he receives when he received in his childhood and goes on a pilgrimage of, of us. A pilgrimage of sorts. I had to write that word down. I didn't. Uh, um, basically, he's just going to find himself, and then he finally he returns to the Kellys. But then, and he when he arrives, he's embraced like a prodigal son type of embrace, which is basically like he he's expecting not to be embraced by the Kellys, but he receives like praise for coming back essentially. And then, uh, yeah. So from there, that that's kind of just the end of the film there. Um, at this period of Saul's reckoning, we become aware of the sexual abuse he received from Father Gaston. Which is like, which was pretty intense. Saul comes to terms with Australia almost 10, 20 years later, and brings light to the theme of trauma that fills the film. Uh, the earlier interactions between Saul and Gaston begin to make sense, and the lighting choices used accentuate Saul's face and body, and Gaston's hands start to make sense. During these lengthy, encompassing shots, the viewer may have noticed that the, how uncomfortable Slade and Pelletier, the actor for Saul, portrays himself. However, this can slip by as nothing, as Father Gaston assumes the role as Saul's, like I said before, light in the darkness, and Saul is not mentioned at all until the later part of the film. where he This is where he begins the, the journey to find himself. This trauma appears to be rooted in shame, as Saul refuses to come to terms with this for almost 30 years, like I said before. Although Saul does receive other kinds of abuse throughout the play, the trauma that the residential schools caused him seems to stick with him more than anything, especially the sexual misconduct of Gaston. We become aware of this abuse through a flashback as Saul revisits St. Jerome's as an adult. A very disturbing scene appears as uh, Saul is almost watching from the background as Gaston does some things to Saul that are definitely not appropriate. Um, this is accompanied by some horror movie-esque musical accompaniment, and uh, the, this theme is all encompassed, as Saul previously mentioned, uh, in the excruciating scrubbing. The reminiscence of the Iron Sister and the suicide of Rebecca, each of which he remembers as he revisits St. Jerome's. Um, in each of these instances, the previously mentioned musical accompaniment that has a horror movie type of uh, sound to it uh, is used. An interesting choice of short, close camera cuts that you really need to see to believe are used. And the involvement of Saul's self, like I said before, like he's watching this like as if he's there, he's watching himself in all these situations or he's watching his friends in all these situations really like accentuates the seriousness and stressfulness of the trauma that can occur at these residential schools um however uh despite all these characters i previously mentioned i think the greatest supporting actor in my opinion is fred kelly this this man really deserved more on screen time in my opinion as fred kelly played by actor michael lowenchuk serves as the true light for saul's darkness contrary to gaston who is an artificial light if we're still using that analogy for him uh, Kelly sees Saul's talent to see, and uses that as a way to get him out of residential school as he really doesn't really seem to care about in the end about his hockey potential. He just wants to get him away and he sees that as an opportunity. 
Fred is also uh, native, which is a good point to mention. His beaming smile is one of the greatest traits, and it really is what separates him from many of the other characters in the play with the, that are often frowning or just look uninterested. His character and acceptance for Saul stands out, and you can especially hear the genuineness in his voice as he speaks to Saul and many other characters like his son Virgil. Although he appears in only about five minutes of screen time, his acting ability, and like I said before, he should definitely be in more, and his emotion and his voice really are prevalent and key factors to the character development of Saul. And the emotional depth of Fred Kelly seems to rub off onto Saul as he this almost allows Saul to like figure out his emotions in the movie, which is good because it's actually prevalent. Like I'll say later in the book, he does actually gain a lot of uh, like he knows how to deal with his emotions because of Fred, in my opinion. And the director also emphasizes each of these aspects by allowing the scene to be appear much brighter at each time Fred Kelly is in the room, which granted is not very often, but it definitely is there. Uh, the director will periodically cut to his beaming face, therefore emphasizing the counteraction of his behavior as a good character with good morale compared to the sluggish demeanor presented by the rest of the supporting cast. Um, yeah, so because of characters like Fred Kelly, the film of Indian Horse is an adequate adaptation of the book it is made after. Of course, it is difficult to fill the shoes of a movie of a novel sorry, that is so critically acclaimed, and it did win several awards. However, the film still could have performed much better, in my opinion. Firstly, is it the way that it misses the crucial section of the book in which Saul receives inspiration for his pilgrimage through Urban Sift, which is he's a very minor character, but does does do some things for Saul and just talking him and talking out his issues with him. And he really is truly the spark to Saul's fire as he begins to after so many years of being like dead inside, he begins to like get that inspiration with him again through Urban Sift as he stays with him for a while. But other than that, I really would say there's not much missing from the film other than Saul's experiences at training camp and his training with Virgil, but really like that's not essential to his character development. I understand the like constraints of the film. Um, and I personally think those were satisfactory cuts. Like there's, like I said, like there's not much that you could really, they don't really do much for the play, or, sorry, for the film. So it's not much of an issue. And then I, I really did like how the film uses Saul his closeness to Lonnie and Rebecca to really show how bad the residential schools were because he was not attached to any characters at the residential school in the book and this does like kind of harm the book in a way because he's just at the residential school and he's kind of minding his own business which here he really does have some emotional attachment to Lonnie and Rebecca and uh yeah so the final major point that the film makes that is missed in the book due to the lack of visible representation is the immaculate depiction of the Dunza fathers this really stood out to me as of although they're horrible characters like they're meant to be horrible they it does it in a really well way in a really good way in my opinion as the film does a really good job at showing the way in which the nuns and fathers operated these schools and showing how the nuns kind of carried out the dirty work for the fathers as the father would in one scene was like he told the nun to whip Lonnie when they arrived at the school and then proceeds to tell the nun that she shouldn't be whipping him or like saying, no, 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 don't do that. But like, he's the one who asked her to do that. So I think that was actually a very interesting point. And it's kind of like how they use them as a scapegoat. Like they were just there doing their job. Of course, it was a horrible thing to do, but the fathers were actually worse people in my opinion. And then this does it well. Like they're used as like the like evil, like the uh, regulator almost. So yeah, uh, in conclusion, I think this film fulfills its purpose in raising awareness for the severity of tragedies of residential school. However, it is far from perfect and may have benefited from a longer runtime. It is an intriguing film, but moves at a pace that may confuse the viewer, as many of the scenes feel rushed for no reason, and the characters such as Virgil and Kelly, Virgil and Fred, sorry, do not get the character development they deserve in receiving the book. However, other than that, this is there is little to complain about as the film does hit most of the main parts of the book and displays context where it is needed in the book. 
So if I were to rate this out of 10, definitely give it a strong six, so a 6.5 or greater. And yeah, I personally enjoyed the film. I just think to a normal viewer could be a little bit of an issue if they hadn't read the book. So thank you for listening to today's edition of Eli's Film Review, and I hope you enjoyed the analysis I provided.